Well, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast, a very special episode tonight where I said that we'd get back on the interview uh, work and uh, we're kicking it off with a big one. It's actually a four-person interview. I've got uh, a couple of friends of the podcast, well, one very good friend of the podcast, another previous guest of maybe ooh, two, two or three times and Australia's newest golf podcaster as well and an expert in his particular field. We're talking about Kiza tonight and uh, Matt Mollica and Magic Mike Caridi are both active participants in the world of Kieser. If you don't know what Kieser is, well, we're going to talk all about that. But if you're someone that suffers from some physical issues, pain or otherwise, and maybe if I don't get that right, the guys are certainly going to correct me. But if you need to get your golf better and you need to do that through exercise and uh, specific exercise for golf, tonight is the episode that you need to listen to. And uh, the guys are all experts. Let's bring them in after the music, of course. Gents, good evening. Welcome to the podcast. I should have said in the intro while you're listening that uh, with four very good-looking men on a podcast, we're going to video this because uh, the world de- deserves to see uh, four fellas like us talking about the world of golf and fine physical specimens that we are. Rory, I'll go to you first. Uh, welcome to the Mile of Golf podcast. You're a subject matter expert tonight. Rory Alexander from the world of Kiza. Um, how are you, mate? Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ross. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we're very keen to. I'm very keen to to learn about what you do because, you know, as I said before, I'm the oldest here and probably the most needy of someone uh, working on me like yourself and doing the work that you do. We've got our subject matter experts here, Matt Mollica. How are you? Well, thanks, Ross. Good to see you, mate. And welcome to the world of podcasting. We won't got to spend too much time, but it'd be remiss of me not to welcome you to the world of uh, podcasting. You've been on several, many, a number of times. Uh, the bug's bitten you. Um, congrats on putting together Australia is probably one of the podcasts that the world needs to hear about Australian golf uh, pod, uh, golf courses, sorry, uh, the Australian Golf Passport, of course. You can check that out. You'll hear Matt. But uh, Matt's going to tell us his journey with Kiza. And, of course, Magic Mike, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, welcome back to your own podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you are the you are the uh, rudder of the ship here, as, a, as we said on Tuesday night. It's uh, second time this week, so it's absolutely uh, a pleasure. Now... How do we go? Who wants to lead off? Um, Matt, I might get you to explain, you know, your world of Kiza in, in terms of, you know, how you got to the point where you needed to seek out Kiza. And then we might go to Rory, and Rory's going to explain a little bit more about what Kiza is and, and what, what it does. Okay. Um, I've been going for a number of years now. I started going in the management of a really acute back problem. That had plagued me for a long time. Uh, back in 2016, I was experiencing escalating back pain and it just wasn't being managed by a whole host of traditional simple treatments, anti-inflammatories and analgesics and heat packs. And I did a little bit of physio, massage, needling, all sorts of stuff. And that sort of helped it, but it just wasn't getting any better. Couldn't stand over a putt. I think I went 10 months without playing golf and started to get a little depressed as a consequence of that. Um, I had three or four people tell me 
that you've got to go to this place, you've got to go to Keezy, you've got to go to this place, you've got to improve your strength. And I didn't really want to hear that at first, didn't really want to listen to the second guy. And then weight of numbers got me across the line and uh, I've been going pretty much three times a week ever since. And I'm of the opinion that I probably should have been going for at least five years prior to having started. It's a story that, you know, I speak to a lot of golfers. As you know, you guys know what I do, and I stand and speak to golfers all day, every day, pretty much. And I hear stories like yours a lot. You know, I'm coming back, recovered from an injury. I had some form of challenge physically, and it's not getting better, or I just manage it. And, you know, quite often, you know, I talk, People talk about Kiza. I get a lot of people that come in that have been to Kiza. And it's still something that I've got, got to learn about, you know. So that must have been a pretty challenging space to be in, you know, standing over a putt and being in pain and then thinking that you're probably not going to play golf or having to miss it for so long. I, I can't imagine what that does to you. Rory, this is where you come in. You know, look, give us that intro into who Kiza is, what Kiza is, how does it come about, and, you know, what's some of the, you know, world of Kiza and who do you see? Do you see Matt's and Mike's and Mary's all day long? What does it look like? Thanks, Matt, for your kind words there. Um, well, Kiza, love to hear um, clients try to explain what Kiza is. And they kind of they say, oh, it's a bit of a gym. It's a bit of a physio clinic. There's these people called exercise scientists there. I don't really know what they do. But um, it's quite funny when, when, when they try to explain it. But um, hopefully I can somewhat explain it a little bit better than them. But um, in a nutshell, we're a, a a physiotherapy-led, um, state-of-the-art, machine-based strength training facility. So, yeah, as I said, machine, uh, state-of-the-art machinery. So, um, the, I suppose when you come in, you'll uh, you'll you'll get a physio assessment. So, like you like you both had in the first initial time when you came, and then uh, you'll you'll get a course. You'll have a course of physiotherapy initially. And depending on well, Matt, I think you had you saw Alex for probably what uh, a few weeks, probably initially. Yep. Um, and so it's led by a physiotherapist initially. So you utilise um, you know machine-based training and active rehabilitation to uh, recover from you know whatever potential injury that you're coming in with. So um, for you, Matt, it was I think it was it was pretty angry, non-specific lower back pain and was a, it was acute at the stage but it had been chronic for a fair while. So um, initially, uh, yeah, as I said, a physiotherapist will lead, lead you through a, a period in the course of, of therapy and, and that's a mix of, you know, traditional physiotherapy with, um, as I said, active-based, uh, machine-based um, strength training. So post-initial phase of physiotherapy, will lead the, the, the client or the subject in through um, a, a long-term approach to managing the condition um, by themselves or under supervision long-term. And that's where, where Mike and Matt are, Matt are at the moment. Um, we, we consistently check up on their progress. Matt, you do super, supervised sessions each week. Um, haven't cracked you yet, Mike, but you'll be doing them shortly. Um, but, uh, yeah, we can talk about the machinery and, and, and whatnot um, in further depth. But as I said, in a nutshell, um, physiotherapy-led strength training um, with state-of-the-art machine-based equipment. And is is that 
you know, the only way to, you know, become a Kiza client is to commit to, you know, you're doing the physio part of it, but then also... Not necessarily, no. Right, okay, because... No, no depending, on, depending on, again, level of, you know, or well, the reason for coming in, you know, like, Matt, you were in a, in a bit of strife when you first started. Mike, probably not to the extent, but you had a pretty angry back as well. Um, but you might have just somebody who's keen to improve their strength and well-being. So they'll have an assessment. What the machines allow us to do is to use data to develop the program. So we'll be able to test particular muscle groups, um, find out where you're strong and where you're weak, and then determine a program to you know based around uh, what the client and what the individual needs. So for example, um, if you're if you've got you know uh, really really weak glutes and uh, you know a weak posterior chain and you've got weak hamstrings and whatnot, well naturally we've got to target those muscles. Think about the where we get our power, particularly through a golf swing, is it's through our posterior chain. So you know, a, a program that's going to be centered around the, the, the glutes, the hamstrings, the lower back, some core strength is, is going to be essential. So um, we kind of use data and, and strength testing to determine, okay, well, this is what this particular client needs. And um, like, you, yeah, getting back to your question, um, yeah, you do not need to go through a phase of physiotherapy initially unless um, it's indicated and that it's what's required to get through that acute management phase. Mm. Yeah, I think. No, uh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, I think when I went in, so Rory, when we first did the testing that we initially do, when you come in, where you, where you're, you obviously look at for someone like me, as Rory said, so my back was not not in good shape, but it wasn't acute. It was just kind of a long term thing that I've been dealing with, pretty similar to Matt, where I was using a bit of neurofen and this and that, a bit of Cairo here and there. But when you sort of have someone who knows what they're looking at, and you're laying on a table, and they can look at the muscles in your back and say, well. I can see here things aren't right and it's strength here that needs to happen. There's a, that's one thing, but then to go on the machine to actually test what parts and which positions you're in and where you have weakness or where you need to improve your strength. The funniest part for me, the position where literally it would almost be where you would be to set up for your golf swing was my weakest position of all of all the strength that I did was that. Was that. that was my worst. And then obviously, as Rory said, then you can start to build a framework of how you want to um, improve the strength in that, to that position, and it's all from different parts of muscles in your body to get there. Now, was that a machine that helped you identify, you know, that that posture related for your golf swing was ineffective and the mm-hmm. most ineffective? That was a machine that helped yeah. actually give you that measurement and quantifiable piece of information that says, let's go here. Yeah. So we have a, a machine called our lumbar extensor machine, and that measures the strength of your back. So you'll get locked into this massive piece of equipment that looks like a bit of a spaceship that you'll have four or five restraint systems locking your pelvis in, locking your knees in, locking your legs in. Um, so the, the only muscles that you can produce strength or, or the movement through is your lumbar multifidus, which is the muscle that extends our spine. And and for, for Mike, um, his his yeah, as he said, when he's you know in somewhat flexion, you know, with his head over the ball, was his weakest position. So um, there's absolutely no wonder why you know you're getting pain playing golf or just through everyday life. So mm. um, that that data, yeah, as I said, it um, it, it allows us to determine and, and work out a bit of a course of action and 
a plan moving forward and, and particular areas of the body that we need to focus on. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, before my trip to Scotland, you know, April, May, June, I sort of went down a bit of a, a path of trying to get a little bit stronger, fitter, you know, like most 50-year-olds carry a couple of extra kilos. You know, got some relative issues that come with playing sport all those years. Um, but we have a, a trainer, and this is not anything to do with my trainer. My trainer was great. Uh, we have it at the golf club. We have a gym at the golf club. So the access to, you know, traditional and conventional um, weight machines and other cable-operated machines that you find in a gym are part of, part of my deal. So I can go in there and use them. And we had a trainer. I thought, well, I'll commit to that. And it was like 10 sessions. But, you know, being a data-driven person, what I hear about a machine when it says, you know, I've got a sore back and it can measure and absolutely target how that is or isn't effective, to me I'm starting to think, okay, that's probably something that I would have preferred to have known quantifiably. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned glutes, hamstrings, you know, back core. I think anyone that gets to my age that's not done a lot of exercise for a long time probably struggles in those areas. Um, yeah, but to be able to know that it's more of one part than the other part and to target specific parts, um, that's, I'm sitting here listening to that and that appeals to me. Um, you know, Mike, you know, how did your back issue um, eventuate? Yeah, mine was a footy injury from probably, I'm 45 now, so I was probably 20-ish, maybe a little bit younger than 20. Mm. I had my back playing football and had pretty bad pain for a long time and just literally had painkillers and gave up footy and was done. I was never going to be a good footballer anyway, but it was pretty much finished. Um, and a, the biggest thing for me wasn't necessarily from playing sport or doing things that you would think would might flare it up. So golf didn't hurt it. Sitting on a bike for a long time didn't hurt it. Um, for me, it was was um, everyday life. So I traveled a lot for work or I did then especially. I'd go and stay, you know, travel overseas or travel interstate and sleep in different hotel rooms here and there. I couldn't, could not walk the next day if I slept in a, in a hotel bed just because of the fact that it wasn't what I was used to sleeping on. Mm. Um, and for, pretty similar to Matt, I had so many people and heard ads about Kiza for a long time and knew there was one around the corner and I'd just never done it. And it was 18 months ago, just about to the day, where I was like, you know what? I really should do something about this and start going and, and sorting out whether they can help. I didn't know much about it outside of, I think my description, Rory, is always, it's a cross between kind of a normal gym, a physio, and a Pilates session. It's somewhere in the middle of all three of those. Um, I didn't know whether it was going to help. I didn't really know much about it, and I went in and started doing it. And yeah, similar to Matt, I go three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Um I used to go to the Cairo probably once a month. I've probably been twice this year, max, absolute maximum. So, yeah, it's been a long-term thing, but definitely seen results from it. Now, Matt, you know, you're you're in the medical field. You know, you're a practitioner, and so you know your stuff, you know, I would say, when, when it comes to skeletal or muscular, musculoskeletal things, you know your stuff. Has it helped you in, you know, you mentioned getting depressed by not being able to play golf and you know i'm not sure how far sure how far that that went but you know you're a pretty healthy looking guy now has it helped you maintain or develop fitness by being part of the keys system outside of just going three times a week absolutely yeah i'm sure my frame of mind has changed having gone regularly having rid myself of crippling pain um, being able to get back to the things that i really love doing 
not having regular daily activities hobbled by debilitating low back pain, as, as Mike was saying. So you get into patterns of dread or avoidance um, or pain management if you just forge ahead and want to do something that you know is going to be painful. Um, that change has been huge. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure that Rory would be able to tell you, well, for hours about patients who've had similar positive experiences because of the work that he and his his team have done. Rory, I want to ask you about you know sort of who Kieser you know fits for. You know, I don't. Believe, I would suggest after just hearing Matt and Mike speak that there's probably not a, a, a right profile. You probably. Um, you know, might have a sort of a range, but let's talk about Kieser for a second. Um, the name and, and, and the origins of Kieser, you know, that's that's important when people want to make a connection to, you know, it's not just a, there's a, a theory, a science, a name behind it. What is Kieser? Where did it, where did the origins of Kieser come from? It's a great question. Um, the founder, Werner Kieser, he uh, recently passed away actually a couple of years ago, but um, he was, um, he used to travel. He was a bodybuilder himself back in the 60s and 70s. Um, and he was good friends with a man called Arthur Jones, who may some of you may know. Um, was a kind of pioneer in, in um, the kind of methodology and the principles that Kieser uses, which is single-set, um, high-intensity strength training to momentary muscular failure. Um, and he developed a... Um, a, a, a set of machines called Nautilus, which again, some of the listeners might, might, might have heard of. Um, the next iteration of Nautilus was, um, was Medex. Okay. And then, um, and then Kieser is the next iteration after Medex. So, um, the, the equipment has kind of been, um, developed and it's progressed and there's been new iterations of machines and, um, more development and better engineering over the years, but um, but yeah, it started all the way back in Switzerland in the sixties with a, a pull up bar and a bench press and and a big big guy called Werner Kieser, um, and then the it came to Australia in two thousand and six. So um, the yeah, our founder brought it across here from Switzerland after a bit of convincing from Werner himself and. Um, uh, they they weren't too too fond of, of of bringing it here in the in the initial stages, but um, our founder Gary, who's still a member of ours uh, and, and an avid golfer at, at Essendon, I think you've maybe met him before, Matt, um, brought it across here, and 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 yeah, the, the Australian model has has somewhat um, been somewhat changed from the European model. It's over there; it is seen as more of a more of a gym for you know your ongoing strength and well-being and less so rehab, although they are learning lessons from, from the Australian model. And I suppose our, our model is, is, is yes, it's, it's more, um, I suppose, targeted towards a, a rehabilitation injury management um, cohort of, of people, I suppose. But I think as we're, as we're growing and as, as we're developing as a business, we're, um, we are probably starting to see more and more um, uh, clients who are just keen for just general strength and well-being. Once now that the the knowledge and the the brand is out there and the um, 
I suppose the results are out there as well from, from people like Matt and Mike and um, you don't necessarily have to come in with a injury of, of some sort. You can come in for um, yeah, a, a golfer who's just keen to improve their swing and gain 20, 30 extra metres on their drive or um, somebody who just wants to improve their cardiac health, metabolic health. They want to reduce their their, their incidence or, or risk of, of developing a chronic disease. There's so many, many benefits out there for, for strength training. So, um, so yeah. Specific to the golfers, you know, what, mm. what would you, you know, you see your golfer listening to this at home and you might have some challenge, um, some injury. What are the things that you see? You know, what are the types of injuries that golfers present with that, you know, you're mm. classically working on and helping them, you know, build strength around? Yeah. Yeah. Mike, I think you hit it on the head. It wasn't necessarily a sporting or might have been initially a sporting injury or, and particular golfers, um, you know, depending on whatever age they are, they're, they're somewhat have been athletic people at some stage in their, in their life and, and they may have had injuries and they've nagged them for, for years and years, but it's often a, a, a sedentary lifestyle or a, um, or uh, or things of, of like you said before, Mike. You know, sit, sitting, traveling, yep. seated positions where you cause imbalances in the body, and then it might be exacerbated by something like golf. So you go out. You know, you've been sitting in your office on a desk chair for um, five days for ten hours a day, and then you go out to the golf club. Don't don't warm up and. Um, do a Will Zalatoris like on the weekend. So, <laughs> yeah, um, or I got I got a barn boogle with Ross and play ninety two holes in a row, and then come home cooked. Correct, correct. Yeah. So yeah, look, our, our typical clientele is yeah, we get a lot of golfers, but it, it, it's probably more of a um, yeah lower backs, osteoarthritic hips and knees, um, degenerative injuries, um, yeah. rather than you know. And it might be might be set off by an acute episode, but the the, 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 the long standing issue has been there for an extended period of time. Yeah, oh, my, oh, sorry, Mike, you go. You're going to say. I was going to say one thing. We we probably need to make sure people understand because I know you talked about the, the machines and the and the and keys are coming to Australia. It's probably just get an understanding to link in um, why it's why it is different to like a normal gym and what sets it apart. Yeah. But also like I know I know before we talked about the big spaceship that tests the strength of your mm. back, but some of the machinery in there is quite different to a normal gym yeah. and probably give people a bit of an understanding of, you know, for someone like me that has that lower back or is a golfer with with a, something that I want to work on, some of those machines that are quite, quite well, they're all good at sort of hitting those specific muscles, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, the, uh, you walk in and you walk around the, the, the training floor and, and I guarantee that you'll come across, you know, whether it's in your program set for you or not, you'll see some machines and think, what the hell does that do? Yep. Um, and, and even the back, even the lower back machine, sometimes you look at that and think, I don't know how to get into that or um, it is quite simple once you learn it. But um, what what the machines are engineered to do and then, and the machines are, are, are engineered in a particular way, which we'll get at in a second, but they're, it's their single joint movement. So we, we do have a few compound exercises, which means exercises, which means you're moving two joints at once. But um, a single joint machine means that we can target those imbalances in our body and use that data really effectively. So, for example, let's 
let's say hip abduction, so the ability to abduct our hip, um, which is a, a very important muscle for a, a number of things, but in particular golf, um, we have a machine for that. Um, so uh, we again it, it, think about also the golf swing and how intricate it is. We're using every muscle and every joint almost in our body. Um, if we've got an imbalance somewhere within that golf swing and it's, and it's breaking down our swing, well, we, we can kind of find that and, and, and target the program and target the really fine small movement that might be contributing to a breakdown or, a, or, a, or, you know, exacerbating pain. Um, so yeah, they're, they are quite unique. There, there's some unique movements, you know, the machine that, that allows our torso to rotate. Um, so oblique strength, which naturally, as you can, as I'm sure you're well aware, is very important within the golf swing. Um, things like external hip rotation. So again, I'm sure we've all had lessons um, where we get uh, where we get told, okay, rotate, 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 um, both through torso and, and hips. So muscles that produce that rotation, um, and as we talked about before, some some um, some different kind of glute machines that. Um, that are very difficult, I suppose, to activate um, with both functional training, so your your, um, your your squats and your deadlifts and whatnot, but also with traditional um, style gym equipment. Yeah, I was going to say with the oblique one, mm. I think one of the the good things about it is anyone can. Like I've seen a lot of people do different drills and things at the gym where they're moving to try and work on that specific part of their body. And you no know, people that aren't watching on YouTube can't see me pointing to my, you know, my outside of my, I'll say my abs, even though they're not really abs, um, on the side of my body, my obliques. But the machine, and I'm terrible at remembering what numbers it is, but is it 2.1? Yes, the rotate, rotation, rotation yeah. one. Yeah, well one. Done. there you go. I'm getting there. I'm remembering. Oh, 1.1. No, it's 1.1. 1.1. Oh, sorry, um, I made the same mistake. If you <laughs> it's 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 exceptional in the way that it hits that muscle. Like you 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 went to give people an exa- a, a sort of mental image of what I'm talking about. So think about sitting in a chair and having pads to lock down your quads into the chair and your shins into the chair, so your lower body can't move. But then from your waist, you're twisting and then pulling kind of a, a lever to pull your body around, okay? So that motion normally would obviously hit a point. But with the weights that are there and the setting that it's on, pretty much within about 30 seconds, you will start feeling the specific muscle that it's trying to activate. Within 30 seconds, it will hit that exact muscle. But the fact that it, that, that machine is built to do that or, or to hit that so perfectly is, is, is very, very good. Very good. Matt, I was going to ask you, so, you know, you've been going for all the time that you mentioned there, you go a few times a week. What, what is, what does a session look like for you? Is every session the same or do you have, you know, what, what is it, what is it like when you go on Monday? Uh, they've changed as, as I've gone on over the years. Um, the staff there have modified the program that I do uh, as I've got stronger and as I've had less pain, they've mixed things up for the sake of variety and they've moved away from a purely rehab focus, looking at a degenerative older low back with no glute strength and looked at uh, improving strength at a variety of other areas in addition. Um, I'd usually spend 40 minutes there. Um, as Rory said, you do really slow repetitions 
So you do 12-second repetitions of exercises, um, eccentric for a few seconds, a little bit of a hold, concentric for a few seconds, a bit of a hold, and then you just repeat, and you repeat until the point where you achieve failure and you attempt a repetition and think, no, I'm done, and that's it. Uh, our gym sessions are app-driven, so we have our programs on our phone. We're able to set up machines into our positions with the cues on the phone, uh, set our weights according to the prompts on the phone, and then we just record the time that we've done in each exercise in each session. And as you progress, um, you can keep your exercises the same, but you might increase the weight. Mm. And then you'll increase the time that you do that, then you'll exceed two minutes and think, okay, it's time for me to put the weight up again. So there's this continual progression and touching on that point that you raised before Ross there's this measurable progress with what you're doing in terms of weight and time and performance hmm. that's that's cool you know having an app there which I'm going to assume that it's pretty easy just to, once you get in the machine you just punch in your data and go you know once you finish just go bang bang as you're catching your breath and moving to the next one yeah if you if you walk home or if you once you're home and you're having a, a drink or a meal after your session, you can look back and say, okay, well, how did I go today? Mm. There's archives of performances on particular machines over time. So you can see how you've gone with many sessions on the same machine. Um, it's really neat that that measurable um, data-driven element of it is, is I find really appealing. Yep. Really? That's what, what you got out of it. Uh, session a couple of weeks ago, Mike, is we retested your strength. And, yeah. and so we can test the um, yeah, lower back strength, but we've got a device that can test on um, a number of different machines. And I think we we had some pretty good results here. Your glute strength from when you when you first started or yeah. midway through your progress, it improved by 30 or 40%. Yeah, or something like that. and my, uh, my, my core. So ob- it increased, uh, yeah, it was 25% better than it was when I started. Yeah. So. Low base, I'm sure, but yeah, that that's the other piece. So not only have you got your app to keep track of your, your each session and each machine, but then you sort of book in every three months and you'll do a review. And that's when you've got two different. Oh, you guys correct me, but at least two types of review. So one will be the one where you can go to a specific machine and it'll it'll measure how much sort of power output. But then you can go back to the original, the back one that we talked about at the beginning and do those tests again, and it'll chart to show you how you've improved, but it'll also, Rory, correct me if I'm wrong, but it can also measure you against same age brackets and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Determine, well, I suppose that's the data we use to determine if um, if there is an imbalance or a weakness there. So measure against a big population, data population where, um, yeah, so if you're in a, in a lower percentile and we can say, okay, well, a fair bit of work to do here. This is the area we need to, we need to develop, yeah. Now, Rory, did you say that the machines and the exercise that you complete on the machine in each um, stage or set or whatever you call it, is it one one single set maximum to maximum Correct. strain? Right. Yeah, and there's a the caveat on that as well is you wouldn't come in the first time and train to full momentary muscular failure. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a preparation phase, so we, you know, you, not ease someone into it, but you, you, know, you, you prepare the muscle over the first few sessions and, but, you know, as of week three or four, you should kind of be hitting those intensities and single set strength training and so much research into it. But um, it's it's only effective if we reach that, that high intensity. So you do need to be training to that momentary muscular failure. And it's, um, 
yeah, it's a different form of training than your your traditional multi set training where you might lift it ten times and put the weights down and then lift them up again a minute and a half later. So what it allows is real efficiency. Um, Matt, you said forty minutes before, but um, some clients might get through their their workout in in thirty minutes, um, which which allows a real efficient um, training program and and something that you can I suppose fit into your into your busy lifestyles. Um, you know, particularly if you're if you're a golfer and you're spending six or seven hours of your of your weekend traveling to the golf course, playing and, and then home again, it's um it's not a massive burden to your week where you've got to um, spend three or four hours in the gym. It's um it's it's efficient, it's targeted, and it's um uh yeah, it's, it's timely. You don't have to, yeah. have to spend oh, a huge amount of time. There. Again, I had. Zero idea, but, uh, you know, based on recent experience of going to a traditional gym and doing multi-set repetitions and so on and so forth, pretty much everything I did was to maximum strain because I was weak. Um, but it took an hour. Like in, in, in some instances, that was I didn't have quite enough time and, you know, the, the pre and the post and everything else around it, it's it's a couple of hours worth of commitment, you know, get up, drive down. And that's not, not to say that that's not an effective way to train. That's no, no, not, not what we're saying, but, but many ways in which to get strong. But um, this is our method, and, and it's it's evidence evidence based, and um, and it's 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 proven. But um, as I said, not not the only way to, to do strength training. Uh, what, question for question for Rory. You can be the salesman here because Matt does the assisted training or the yep. whatever we call it, training, and I don't. What's the difference? And why should I be doing that? Maybe we should try one, Mike, and see what see what you think. But um, but it's yeah. Look, there's there's a number of reasons that that's why supervision is is beneficial. Um, and there's people much much smarter than me that have done heaps and heaps of research into into supervision and, and looked at the the, you know, the data again data um, that that comes out of, of improvements and um and and better strength gains and whatnot, but I think it's it's reasonably common sense. And Matt, you'll be able to tell tell us a bit about your experience around your supervised sessions versus your non-supervised sessions. But with particularly with single set training and and with um, the the equipment that we use, um, technique is is absolutely paramount. You need to do the machines um, really really well and and to a really high high level to to Look, the machines are set in a way that you'll do it 80% correct regardless of if you have an instructor, pardon me, or not. But that last 20% um, is, is with, an eye, eye, with an eye on you while you're training is, is just that little bit extra to, to get that bit of technique in, in, out of you. Um, the intensity, as we talked about, um, Ross, you said what, one single set to uh, about 120 seconds to full failure. Well, if you're 90 seconds in and... Um, you feel you've got one or two reps left. Well, generally, having someone there telling you to do a couple more is you're going to get it out of you. And yeah. um, rather than having to be mind over matter, you've got someone there forcing you to do it. Yep. Um, and then just simply for adherence and, and consistency of training, um, to have a booked appointment. Um, again, for someone who maybe work, lives a busy life, um, works astronomical hours, has a busy family, if you've got a booked appointment once a week or twice a week, then you're more likely to come. You're more, li- you're more likely to get get results. And there's many, many other benefits of, of supervision, but 
I'd say the top three are adherence, uh, intensity, and technique. I have to admit, we did a follow-up session or a, a technique session not long ago, mm. and I was cursing you a week later because you, <laughs> you tweaked a few of the machines, and I was absolutely dying. And it was like, not, no, the, the weight wasn't any any different. Yeah. But it was that twisting one again, but we just changed mm. the range of motion slightly. Yeah. And I was absolutely shocked at how quickly it got me um, just by changing yeah. two settings on it, just to make sure that it was hitting the right things. Yeah. yeah. I think I think that's, that's um, uh, speaks to things like the golf swing as well. You know, that it's, it, we, we, as golfers, we try to mastery our golf swing and, um, we spend years trying to improve our swing and, and whatnot. So um, I suppose our, our training is somewhat similar to that in in regards to mastering um, the technique of, of movement and and then um, take having that I suppose and, and gaining that awareness of your body and awareness of strength. So when you when you when you're stronger through a particular area of our body, naturally we're aware of what that that movement is now doing you know you're aware of what muscle is activating which joint and you can kind of i suppose take that into your into your golf and into your golf swing and um yeah i think you've you said it as well mike that your your, your strength improvements mixed with your with your um with your swing changes that you've made recently um yeah it's kind of married together and you're in the ball 20 or 30 meters further so uh, that's why ross doesn't need to be there ross ross doesn't like it when i when i hit anything past him and we've talked about it on the podcast the last few weeks and yeah no certainly the the keys are strengthening and the swing changes I, i've never hit the ball i've never hit the ball as far as i am now and my callaway epic most been driver of course that I'm not sponsored by. <laughs> oh, as I did say, I'm, using, I'm now using a Callaway Rogue ST and it is long. <laughs> Don't worry. I think I've, I've got a couple. Well, I'm looking forward to getting back out there and testing uh, your work versus my work. But uh, let me tell you, Rory, we went to Barnboogle in March. It's a week that's called Peak uh, Caridi Week um, because Mike's been going to Barnboogle that week for about a thousand years. And we'd played before and he was squashing this golf ball and it was like I, I walked up to it and gone, that's – Oh, it's Mike's, and I'm like way back there. Like it was just like a full roll reversal. It didn't. It didn't happen a lot before then. But actually, one thing we talked about the other day, Rory, was about strength and hitting golf ball and distance, and not necessarily having to be a monster to be there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably a misconception, and I suppose a, a byproduct of um, you know through people our parents' age and and. Um, I suppose through the 70s, 80s, 90s, strength training is, is, has been seen as a bit of a hobby and a, it's only for really bound, muscle-bound men with singlets who do it as, as, a, bit of a, as a bit of a hobby and, and, and for fun, whereas, um, you know, the, the, the benefits of strength training are far, um, far we, we know so much more about it. The research is there for, for not just our muscles, bones, and joints. That's there for the rest of our health. You, and and getting back to to what you said there, yeah. You look at guys like um, you know, um, Joaquin Neiman and um, well, Wills Arthoris just injured, injured injured himself, but JT. These kind of players who they're, they're very small. They're, they're quite they're quite slender. But you look at the strength. I remember hearing Tiger on a podcast or an interview or something one time, and he said um, they, they asked him. I think Joaquin Neiman might have won a tournament, or he might have been leading at the time or something. And um, 
and he said, oh, I've only just gotten to know, know him, but I know he's absolute strong as an ox. He's a, he's a beast because he, he does a lot of strength training, but, he, but to look at him, he'd be probably 60 kilos ringing wet. So mm. um, I think that's a misconception is that strength equals size or size equals strength. It doesn't necessarily need to be the case. Like, um, you know, Matt, you're not a, a huge guy, but you're probably one of the strongest trainers that we've got um, and, and probably one of the, yeah, the strongest guys we've got down there. So, um, yeah, that's uh, definitely a misconception and, and, and yeah, with pure strength training, it doesn't mean you're going to increase the hypertrophy of the muscle to, you're not going to continue to build muscle and muscle and muscle. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the way the muscle functions and, and the strength of the muscle that you have is, is the, yeah, is, is the benefit that you get. Hmm. Matt, in your professional world, and we'll, we'll start to, um, to, to wrap it up, but in your professional world, you know, do you see, the need, um, or do you recommend people that come in to see you to go to Kieser and, and, and things like that? Is there a sort of link between what you do? You're know, a podiatrist. Um, is there a link between that and you know, Kieser? Are you referring people down to Kieser at all? Yeah, there is There is a little bit. Um, and I've probably grown more aware of that over time. Yeah. Um, Rory was alluding before to a, a myriad of health gains that you – can enjoy through having greater strength and, and exercising regularly. And there's just reams and reams of research that validate the importance of strength training in regard to bone density, heart lung fitness, uh, reduced risk of osteoarthritis, um, reduced risk of diabetes, uh, all manner of different things that you can enjoy through regular strength training. Uh, so I often find myself encouraging patients to look at that when they haven't previously mm. and sometimes they're they're like mike and me they're stubborn or they don't know what's best for them or they might not respond mm. to the first person but they'll respond to the fourth person that suggests they go and do something like that um from a podiatry perspective yeah there's this this clear um interactions i often tell people at my work if i had a magic wand and i could make your feet and legs stronger you would be functioning better and you would you would feel much better your symptoms would diminish so Mm. there's one of those machines that rory was um perhaps had in mind previously where you, you walk past and see people with their feet moving from side to side while they sit on a machine and they'll invert or evert their feet um or they'll they'll do a double leg raise on a particular machine with a weighted belt. So there's there's all sorts of different um, lower limb strengthening options there as well, not just the core and low back and gluteal stuff that Mike and I tend to focus on. Well, the the reason I ask, and you know, once again going back to my golf shop, and you know, where we're not giving health advice at all, um, but I see a number of people with bad feet that come in. We've talked about this before, Matt. You know, they come in and they say, I have to get this type of shoe because my podiatrist has said to get this type of shoe. Um, shoe and I'm you know in my self-assessing way you know usually you can see that it's probably linked to some other issue and and had they done this type of work maybe the foot the foot issue might not have come to bear I don't know that's that's a that's a guess but you know like I, just, uh, I reckon I reckon there's a lot of sense to that yeah so um oldest Roy oldest client you have um I know there's a few 90 year olds or 90 they're in their, in, in their, in their nice. 90s uh, training, uh, probably at Essendon, yeah, mid to, eight, mid to late 80s, I'd say. But um, 
Yeah, there's, it's never too late to, to start strength training. A muscle is a muscle, and if you put stimulus on the muscle, it's going to recover and it's going to it's going to build strength. So regardless of how old that particular muscle is, so it's never too never too late to start. Um, so if any listeners are thinking that uh, that's the case, and yeah, I urge you to give it a try, and, and that's not that can be with us or, or elsewhere. Um, yeah, start lifting weights and, and under the guidance of someone who knows what they're doing, and I'm guaranteed you'll um, you'll start to see a see some improvement in, in your health and hopefully your golf. Well, somewhat to that point, you know, if you can't get access to Kaiser, now this isn't want to hear that this isn't flogging Kaiser at all. You know, like this no. is flogging health and well-being as golfers and as men in particular, you know, mental health and, and the importance of the whole holistic approach to being healthy, especially as you get to my age and older and, you know, don't wait too long, as you just said. But, you know, if you can't get to a Kaiser, if you if you don't have access to a gym and, and there's a number of reasons why you may or may not have access to any of those, you might be overseas where you don't have Kaiser, I don't know. What are some of the things that you know from your professional life that you would suggest to people that they could do that actually may avoid them having to come and see you in a physiotherapy type of way. Yeah. What can, yeah, you, what I, can you do I, as golfers? I think um, if if you do have access to uh, a health professional who, who can give you advice and if you're in a position to be able to access it and afford it and invest into it, I think I think that is a, a really smart option if Regardless of, of who it is, it might be a physio, it might be an exercise physiologist, it might be a, a personal trainer. Um, and seeking out if they, um, yeah, perhaps if it's for golf related um, specific exercise and um, seeking seeking out this that they know what they're talking about and, and um, they've had perhaps a little bit of history of tra- training golfers or, or, or whatnot. But, um, but in terms of things that you can do yourself, there's. <laughs> There's a there's whole libraries of of, of exercise programs and um, self help exercise programs, YouTube videos, um, uh, yeah, libraries of, of websites where there's thousands of exercises that can help. Um, uh, the, the, I suppose the only risk with that is is are you doing it correctly and um, and uh, are you targeting the right exercises? However. Um, any movement is, is better than, than none. So um, regardless if it's if it's the exact right thing to do, then you're still going to get improvement. So lifting weights, you can use your body weight to do to do the movement. Um, you can grab household items, bricks, bottles of wine, um, pillows, whatever it is. Um, you can you can utilise something in your household to to develop a program to, to lift weights. Um, so yeah, you don't necessarily need to have a a, a really designed, um, structured, and, and supervised program to, to see improvement. Um, naturally, you might you might get better improvements that way. However, you, yeah, a quick Google search and a, and a quick YouTube search is um, is is certainly going to bring up a lot of content for you. And um, and if you've got some idea as to okay, well, this is perhaps what I what I need, then yeah, there's, there's so much out there. I recently did a video for. Uh from golf on travel, you know, just been overseas, as I said, uh, packed my gear into a travel bag, and as I was packing, it wasn't sort of planned, but I pulled out this rubber, green rubber, um, stretchy thing, and I keep it, I keep it in my bag, and I use that right. since I started at the gym, and I was saying I'm going to use this to tie my towel around my clubs, but I keep this in my bag all the time, and I just, 
you know, do some exercise and, and something like that. I think, right. you know, from Clark rubber, you can get the different intensities, the different strengths. They cost about five bucks. Uh, yeah. You know, even something like that is going to help, right? Absolutely. Therabands, yep. Um, uh, yeah, again, if you type in uh, Theraband uh, exercise program um, or, or get someone to design one for you, there's, yeah, there's plenty out there and, and they are, they're great tools, definitely great tools to use, yeah. Uh, Kiza, all around the country? Yeah. Uh, most prominent in Melbourne. Yep. Uh, we've got, I think, roughly uh, 16, 17 in Melbourne, a uh, couple down the Bellarine, a couple down, one down in Mornington, uh, three in Sydney, one in Gold Coast and one in Hobart, and then Brisbane opening up in September, so a couple of weeks. So exciting. Expanding. Um, our mission is building a stronger Australia, so we can't do that unless we've got uh, one in, in every well, at least capital, and then, um, and then somewhat regional. I'm sure after that, but uh, but yeah, there, there's certainly plans. I know there's um, yeah, definitely plans to get to the other capital cities as well. But um, yeah, keyser.com.au, you'll you'll be able to find um, you'll be able to find us uh, on there. But but uh, again, not necessarily. Um, don't don't have to come to Keyser, but um, but I, I certainly suggest. Lifting weights is yeah, it's in our national activity guidelines. It's it's not just for golf. It's for it's for all all walks of, of health and, and whatnot. So I should yeah, say as well, Rory, if if you are a um, teaser member like myself mm. and Maddie, I've been down to play golf down towards Thirteenth Beach for the week and shot over to the Ocean Grove um, mm. Centre. No problems. I don't you don't have to do anything. You've got my app, had my towel, just walk in the door. Yep. straight on the machine start working there's no limits of being able to visit any of the other any of the other um, clinics so it's very good having more and more popping up mm, definitely well Roy, you've got two converts here Maddie Mollica uh, anything else from you on uh, the world of Kersey your experiences or anything else that you want to add to uh, what we've been talking about because I'm going to come back to you in a minute Okay. Just a thanks to Rory and his staff, really. I, I'm, I'm not sure that they're aware sometimes of the, the, the degree of change that they've made to people's lives, um, the, the help that they've, they've given me and so many others. It's, it's, um, it's near miraculous on occasion. So thank you, Rory, for yeah. what, you, what you and your team do. It's- yeah, well, and Rory, I can thank add to you. that. You know, I've known these two guys for a couple of years now and, uh, you know, I've seen them both. Uh, you know, somewhat transform. You know, I've seen Matty Mollica get fitter, stronger. Every time I see him, he, he, he looks five years younger. And you know, that sounds like I'm being jest, but it's true. He's a fit-looking man, and I've seen that transform. Uh, Mike, the same, you know, evidenced by hitting the golf ball past me. But uh, I know what I know what it means to them, and I know how committed they are to it. And, uh, you know, if I'm seeing that observationally, something's going right, Um and uh, just to, just to hear them talk about it um, absolutely means that you know they put their faith in uh, in the program and the machines and everything that goes with it. Kudos to both of you as well. You know you are both the model trainers three times a week without fail. Um, the biggest predictor for strength improvement is consistency. Mm. Sticking to something, doing it often, doing it consistently um, every week without fail, um, you will improve and you'll. You'll get the improvements like both of you have. So, um, yeah, versus someone who, who maybe does it once every week or fortnight. So, well done to both of you. 
Rory, thank you for joining us. Appreciate your time uh, late at night and uh, coming together with the guys. I'm going to close by just um, going back to Matty Mollica, who is Australia's newest golf podcaster. Congratulations, uh, Matt, on the Aussie Golf Passport, Australian Golf Passport. Listen to episode one today and, uh, you know, it's an introductory episode. You've got a lot to cover. What's the plans? We've got a lot to cover. We're about 200 behind you, Ross. Um <laughs> We would like to provide a guide to UK and US visitors to Australia who are coming here on a bucket list golf trip, while also providing some information on our best courses to people who want to know more about them or want to travel interstate from other parts of Australia to, to go and see Barn Boogle for the first time or go and make a sojourn down to the Sandbelt. Um some practicalities, some deep dives on the architecture and the courses themselves. Uh, there'll be some rabbit holes that we go down, no doubt. When we move from one course to the next, we want to try and shine a light on some lesser-known courses as well, encourage people to go out and see different parts of Australia that they might not otherwise have seen or play courses that would have flown under the radar. Mm-hmm. I can't see us doing more than two dozen episodes, all told. We'll pick um, a region for the odd episode. Uh, we'll have guests for the odd episode. Um, I think we will have a mailbag episode at one point towards the end to cover off anything that we might not have addressed before that. Um, recorded the second one last night with Scott Warren. Yep. So I'd, I'd talked with Scott for years about doing this and we finally got off our butts and done it, which is good. Um, learned an awful lot. And uh, done a lot more editing and a lot more tech stuff than I ever thought I'd know how to do, which mm-hmm. has been nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you weren't, sit- but you weren't sitting in a Nissan Navara with a microphone pointing at the uh, car stereo, were you? No, yeah, you didn't. <laughs> no, you, you advised somewhat from that. I I have thought of you while I've been <laughs> recording the first two. Hey, have a look uh, at this setup. Well, if, I'm not sure if we'll put up a photo of the way in which Scott set up his room for the recording of the second episode last night. Sound quality at his end wasn't 100% with the first one. And he, last night, with the help, I think with had to be with the help of his kids, had assembled the, the biggest blanket and pillow fort <laughs> that any residential office in Sydney has ever seen before. So, uh, Not the first time I've seen the old blanket and uh, pillow uh, sound deadening uh, come into, into play. Once again, Clark Shrubber, you can get this uh, beautiful uh, sound deadening there for, yeah, he comes by the sheet. Uh, well, it's great. It's uh, certainly in a, in a podcast uh, landscape that is growing uh, and you know, probably as you mentioned in your intro, growing with some of the same sort of stuff, um, the Australian Golf Podcast stands out as providing information that people, and I know people overseas, uh, will want that because everyone that I came across uh, that hadn't been to Australia, all they wanted to know is about the Sandbelt, about Australia, about Sydney, about all the things that you're going to cover, and it was great. I was rapt to hear you talk about Newcastle so pleasingly because it's probably the first proper golf course that I ever played uh, in a triangular um, series match up uh, Sydney versus Hunter River versus uh, Brisbane Waters. Um, so it's my first big golf course experience and it's always going to be fun to me. So, uh, and you're right, you know, you go there and it's it's nice um, and it's got that sort of feel that, you know, Dad's Army is in there every week uh, helping make it better and uh, that's probably one of the things that makes it so special. So it was great, it was great to hear, hear people talk so fondly about the Novocastrians. 
week. So, uh, yeah, well done. Looking forward to the uh, episode two and whatever else comes your way. Good. Thank you. Well done. Thanks. Gents, uh, thanks very much. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. You can get the links to – I'll put a link to Keezer. I'll put a link to Australian Golf Pod. pod Australian Golf Passport podcast and uh, of course if you want to join us on the Discord and do all that sort of stuff you're more than welcome to uh, tune in to the My Love of Golf stuff we'll see you next time on the My Love of Golf podcast thanks for listening Mm -hmm.